Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Hey, welcome to a new edition of Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, everybody. I'm your host, Carl Brown, and today's guest is a a saxophonist and producer who made his presence known on the contemporary jazz scene back in 2019 with his first album called Stella Rose, and he followed that up with his second release in 2021 called Sexuality. He just released his third album, Skyline, which was produced in part by producer extraordinaire Mr. Adam Hawley. Please welcome to the show, D.S. Wilson. Thanks for coming on the show today, D.S. Thank you, Carl. Appreciate it, and I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. First, I've got to ask you, what does the D and the S stand for? <laughs> you know, it's just the initials of my name. My dad used to call me a dumb, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, somebody said, you ought to call yourself Dr. Sachs. I said, well, that's actually better than what my dad was calling me, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your dad and my dad had those unique sayings. I remember once being a kid and I threw something up and I went to my dad and my dad was grilling me about how that could have happened. And I said, I made the mistake of saying, I thought, and my dad quickly said, you don't get paid to think, right? It was a beautiful day for me, the day I could go back to my dad and say, guess what? Now I get paid to think. You just released your album Skyline, and it was produced in part by Adam Hawley. And nowadays, when you know when Adam's on the case, Adam's got like eight, nine, ten songs that he's either the artist on or produced or written in the top ten. So, how did you come to connect with Adam on this one, and what influence do you think he had on taking your music to the next level? Great questions. Yeah, he's amazing. He's a very prolific and also a wonderful person to work with. Just super great guy. How I met him was I was on the Dave Cause Jazz Cruise last year, you know, intimate way to meet people. And I had auditioned on that cruise for their talent competition and made it to the finals there. And then after one of his performances, I just went up and said, hey, I understand you're a producer. You know, I'm working on an album. Can you help me out? And he said, sure. So he gave me his contact information. So after the cruise, we got back. I had a lot of the songs, you know, ready to go from a pre-production standpoint. So we started collaborating and he was great to work with. And he brought in some of his other players like Mel Brown on bass and Carnell Harrell on on keyboards, who he he toured with uh, Dave Cause recently. And then, of course, Adam played guitar. And he also had, let's see, Eric Valentine on drums. So great cast of people. How he elevated the music was really just helping me to understand more of some of the modern production. Like if when I listened to some of my earlier stuff, I kind of came up in the in the 80s, you know, where you had four tracks and eight tracks. And so you had to kind of conserve. Right. And so the mixes were sparser back then. So that I kind of was approaching things with more of a sparse mix. And then he said, you know, there's a lot more room to uh, explore adding a lot of different things in here. And so I really learned a lot from him around doubling some parts and adding some, you know, horns and keyboard parts in there, some arrangements. He really helped me with, you know, adding some of the hooks into the songs, like some of the, what you would consider a chorus in a pop song. 
So that's where I, what I really picked up from him. He was fantastic, and I uh, hope I can collaborate more with him in the future. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, he's such a great artist, but man, and such a nice guy. We had him at our Fresh Coast Jazz Festival last summer. My wife and I went to it. Oh, and saw fantastic. Him. Okay, great. Yeah. And Bob just, Bob James. Yeah, yeah, and just a great guy to work with. But man, I got to tell you, he is becoming such a prolific producer. It's amazing when you open up Billboard and you look, and he's all over the place. Yeah, he's a super hard worker. I mean, every time I talk to him, he's got about 10 things going on, plus his own performances. And yeah, yeah. Working it, so. Yeah, that's He's awesome. a good inspiration for me. Good, good. So you've been playing music for a while. You've played different styles, rock, pop, blues, jazz. Why'd you land on contemporary jazz as the style you wanted to pursue? Well, it's funny. I actually started out playing jazz all through elementary and high school, and was taking jazz lessons from a great guy. I used to live in Canada for a while when I was younger and had a guy really pushing me on jazz. And then I got to college and, and hooked up with some guys. We formed a rock band and we played for about 20 years. And so I really wasn't doing a lot of jazz. I was playing a lot more keyboards in, in that band. That kind of fell apart in the early 2000s. And then I just did a lot of playing at church for the intervening years there. And then I guess it was about 2016, 2017, I was taking um, jazz piano lessons from a guy out in Seattle. He was an instructor at Cornish College, so really phenomenal instructor guy named Randy Halberstadt. And so I started kind of getting more into jazz. I wanted to get back into the jazz thing. And my wife said, you know, I've been hauling your music equipment around from house to house, move to move, and it's gathering dust, and and, uh, you really need to pull it out. And start using it again. Otherwise, you know, we should probably sell it. And I said, well, we're not selling my equipment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no way that's happening. So she, she encouraged me to kind of get back into it. And she said, you know, I know you've you've done a lot of rock and pop stuff, but you're really, your primary instrument is the sax. You ought to really work on that and maybe think about doing some jazz stuff. So she was the one that encouraged me to do it. And so then I, that's why I named that first album Stella Rose, because that's my wife's name. I probably wouldn't have done it had it not been for her encouragement. So Three albums later, and, and it's uh, doing well. So I guess she was right. Yeah, that's fantastic. So what are some of the, you know, well, in addition to playing saxophone, you're also a producer. So have you in the past produced mostly for yourself, for other artists as well? Um, so far, it's just mostly been myself. I mean, I did a lot of stuff with our band. Well, back in the day, I did a lot of the recording and mixing and mastering of some of our stuff that we did, you know, as demo tapes and things like that. I've contributed to a couple of other artists' things where I've played parts on other people's stuff, but mostly the production things I've done were mostly for, you know, myself or my own band. Mm -hmm. Okay. And let's talk a little bit more about the Skyline Project. Was there something that inspired that project? Like the, I know the artwork shows the skyline of Chicago, your new hometown. When I did the Sexuality album, I was trying to do some stuff that was a little more funky. And then on this album, I thought, you know, I was really listening a lot to current contemporary artists. And I was really exposed to them also on that jazz cruise. Like I said, I went to that Dave Cause jazz cruise last year. And I was really listening to what still had some funky, cool elements and brought in some keyboard parts, but maybe was a little smoother than, say, this Actuality album, which it was a little more kind of upbeat, funky kind of stuff. I'm not sure it went over as well. You know, obviously my own style, but but maybe something a little more in the, that would fit a little more squarely in the smooth jazz genre. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So as an artist, you are performing as well. How much work goes into developing your stage performance? Well... You know, when I perform a lot currently, a lot of it's just been little solo things where I'm playing by myself and I use my tracks. 
I definitely want to get more into the festival scene. In fact, I'd love to play at Fresh Coast if you guys would consider that at some point, you know, as, as an opener or something. But I definitely wanted to, you know, branch out with the full band and make uh, larger type venues. A lot of what I've been doing has been, you know, smaller things like restaurants and coffee shops and stuff like that. And I usually perform three or four hours at a time. So I have done charity events and things like that. So I'm definitely looking to elevate my game and, you know, branch out into more clubs and festival type situations. Yeah. Well, I think with this new album, Skyline, I think you're going to put yourself in a position to do just that. And why don't we take a listen to a song off that new release? Um, this is Nightfall.
right, everybody, that was today's guest, D.S. Wilson, with his song off of his new release, Skylight, called Nightfall. So, D.S., how do you go about selecting songs to record or include in a work? Oh, that's a great question. People have asked me, how do I go about writing a song? And it's funny because a lot of times it just, it depends. Sometimes I'll start with a groove. Sometimes I'll start with, you know, a lick or I'll hear a melody in my head or whatever. And I usually have about, I don't know, 15 or 20 different ideas in various stages of completion. And when I'm recording, I don't, sometimes I can knock out a whole song like in, you know, a couple days or a weekend, but a lot of times I'm working on things a little at a time and then I set it down and then come back to it, you know, after I've heard things a little while. So I usually have several songs in progress. And then when I was working with Adam, you know, we listened to the whole group of, of songs and whittled down. There was a couple that we left off, maybe a future project, because I was just trying to get, you know, like 10 really strong songs that had a pretty cohesive sound and feel to them. Again, kind of when I did this actuality album, there was a couple of swing songs, there was some funky stuff. I mean, it was it was a little bit all over the board. And this one I felt like was, was a more focused effort. So a lot of that had to do with just collaborating and, and listening to the material. A lot of it too is when I listening back to my songs, I try to think about the feelings that they evoke for me. Like, you know, cause you got to come up with a name, like how do you name something that doesn't have lyrics? Right. And so a lot of times I will listen back and try to determine how that song makes me feel or what it makes me think about. So for example, nightfall just kind of sounded like I just pictured this, like a movie scene where, you know, it's kind of dark and maybe misty out and there's people, you know, on the sidewalk and maybe some nefarious characters or whatever. It just kind of had that feel. So that's how I came up with that song. That's cool. That's one thing I've always wondered too. With instrumental music, there aren't lyrics, right? Oftentimes, right? And so how do you come up with the names for your songs and for your, you know? It's kind of a running joke inside the jazz community. Like, what are you going to name this? Because it's you, just like you said, what do you name it? I try to think about what comes up for me or what feelings get evoked or what thoughts pop in my head when I hear it. And then that's where I try to come up with some names. And my wife helps me sometimes too. Like the song, Leave It to the Gods is the one that she named. She was up in the kitchen and she's like, you should name that one, Leave It to the Gods. I'm like, okay. Okay. All right. Gaining points with your wife along the way. There's nothing wrong with that one either though. So you recently made a move from Seattle to Chicago a couple of years back. So how, how are you liking living in Chicago? Well, it's different than Seattle for sure. I would say that it's got a very vibrant music scene, which I really like. I mean, it seems like, one, in fact, I just saw an article article the other day saying that Chicago was in the, like, number two of out of top 10 cities for jazz. So definitely I'm in the right place there. You know, a lot of great restaurants. You can't fit without hitting an Italian restaurant. That <laughs> is true. That is true. A lot of good places to eat. A lot of festivals and things in the summer. So it was a little bit weird, though, because when we first moved here, it, COVID happened. And so everything kind of got shut down. And at the same time, my wife uh, has been working with her elderly mom who lives in New York. So she's been going back and forth quite a bit. So when we first moved here, we were just kind of stuck in the house and she was gone a lot. And so now that COVID has, you know, the restrictions have lightened up some, we're just now, you know, four years later, starting to get out and develop a social life and get a feel for the city because things were kind of locked down for quite a while there. So 
Yeah, you're not kidding about, though. I love Chicago. I lived there for many years myself. My wife has spent most of her adult years living in Chicago. We're in Milwaukee now. But you're right about those Italian restaurants. And have you ever been to one called, it's, on, it's in the West Loop, called La Escrola? Mm, no, but I've been in several in the West Loop. But I'll have to try that one out. Check that one out. I got to tell you, it's a small place. That was one of the best restaurants, ex- restaurant experiences I've ever had anywhere in the country, I think. The food was great. The service was great. It really was like being in someone's Italian grandmother's kitchen. You know, it was just unreal. That sounds great. We'll have to check it out because we've been to several right down in that area, like the girl and the goat is one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've been to Pavets and Mods. I think one of them actually closed down, but they have this amazing loaf of sourdough bread that's like twice the size of a football. It's huge. Yeah, Chicago's a great, great town. So, DS, we have this segment that we do on each show. It's called Bout It or Doubt It, okay? If you're about it, it's something that you like. If it's doubted, it's something that you're not quite feeling. Can we get you to play Bout It or Doubt It with us today? Sure. All right. Get him up. I mean you body body. I mean you body body. I doubt it. All right. So DS, what we're gonna do is we're gonna spin the wheel. We're gonna get you a category. Then we're gonna ask you a couple of about it or doubt it questions. All right. Okay. All right. All right, DS. Your category is around the house. All right. About it or doubt it. Grocery shopping. How about it. About it. Okay. Do you do the shopping for your home mostly or do you share that chore? We share it. We usually uh, go to Costco together and uh-huh. sometimes my wife will go out because she likes to go to different stores for different things, but I'm with her for a lot of it and we go to Aldi and some other places. So I'm down with the Costco runs. Okay. I, I can do the Costco runs. I'm a totally like a doubted on the grocery shopping thing, man. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like my wife does it, and I have a 16-year-old daughter now who I can drive to the store, and she can run it and get stuff. So I can do that. I'm down with that. But do you cook with your wife as well? Do you guys both share those chores? Or we do. I, one of the things I like to do is make different sauces. Like, and I don't, I don't, I don't use a recipe. Or you know, she'll be like, hey. Uh, we're doing some Asian wontons. Can you whip up some kind of an Asian sauce? And so, you know, I'll, stuff like that. So I'll just, uh, I do a lot of that. I help her a lot. And for a while, we did a lot of like raw vegan stuff. So there's a lot of prep involved in that. I like to cut things up and the, the knife and the chopper and whatever else. Yeah. So you know your way around the kitchen pretty well. That's cool. I mean, I, lo- I love to eat now. Yeah. Are you vegan or? No, I, okay. I'm a flexitarian. <laughs> Flex in and out of whatever's good. Yeah. I usually tell people, if it's not moving, I'll eat it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I love that. A flexitarian. All right. How about one more about it or doubt it? All right. About it or doubt it, yard work. Doubt it. Yeah. I do it because I have to, but I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's one where I, I used to love to do yard work. Like I used to look forward to mowing the lawn and I, I remember doing landscaping at my uh, one of my houses a couple homes ago I did all the landscaping myself and I was so proud of myself and now I'm kind of a doubted on that too you know <laughs> I've gotten lazy old later in life you know I'd rather sit on the patio and have a cool drink and listen to some good music than do the yard work you know yeah I mean it's a, it's a necessary evil I, re- I think part of what turned me off was when I was growing up, my dad had a garden. Uh-huh. And he would he would plant everything, and then he'd never touch it. And it was up to me and my brother to like do all the weeding and all this. And I hated it. 
I remember one time he planted so much zucchini that we had probably 200 zucchini. I mean, we couldn't eat them. And so my brother and I were like pretending they were footballs and we were chucking them <laughs> over the fence because <laughs> we were so sick of harvesting zucchini. They were, and they were, they got to be too big, you know, where you, they just weren't good anymore. So uh-huh. I think that that experience kind of turned me off on the whole gardening scene. Yeah, but. I can understand that. I can understand. I still remember a day, a day like that in my past too, where my dad had my brothers and I plant trees in the yard. So we had to dig all the holes and carry the trees all around the yard and plant those trees. And yeah, I never planted another tree in my life and I have no desire to ever do it again. So <laughs> yeah, those root balls are heavy. Man. They really are, man. You ain't kidding. I was a lot younger back then, but I still have no desire to do that. So for you, DS, what would you say are the things you like most and like least about being a musician? Oh my gosh. What I love most about it is collaborating, playing on stage, especially with other people. There's just this unspoken fun thing like you know you give somebody a look and they give you a look and you just kind of know you know what to do you know where to go you know who's doing what that camaraderie is really really fun i like to just play like a lot of times you know i just like to play my music just because it's fun for me to play it and i like to do that as much as i love the recording and creative process i also sometimes have frustrations with it because either i hear things in my head that i'm not good enough to play or i sometimes will hit like a little bit of a writer's block and, you know, I have to put it down and come back to it. So sometimes I feel a little frustrated, but overall, I, I love that whole creative process and, you know, creating something from nothing that has, you know, tangible value after that is fun. Slogging the equipment. You know, I think for me, when I was younger, I wanted to be a rock star. You know, I wanted it to be that where I was on stage and, you know, thousands of adoring fans. And that's probably why I never succeeded at it. My purpose is to try to bring people together and bring joy and be there for other people. And it's not about me. It's about them. How do I serve people through music, whether it's at church or whatever? So I have changed my viewpoint and focus on that. And instead of being, you know, self-centered, like I was in my twenties, I'm trying to be more outwardly focused. So cool, cool, cool. So you talked about collaborating, obviously, and we know you're working with, you worked with Adam on Skyline. So who are some of the other artists you would love to work with? Oh my gosh. If I could work with Donald Fagan, that would be phenomenal. I mean, Dave Cause is an amazing guy. I'd love to work with them. And and I got a chance to meet him, like I said, on the cruise as well last year. And then he came through Chicago recently on his Christmas tour. And we got to see him there. And I got to see him backstage a little bit and talk to him for a few minutes. He's a super nice guy as well. And man, he puts together really great shows with a lot of people. He's very inclusive. So I'd love to to do more of that. I'm trying to think who else... Gosh, I mean, there's so many people in the, when I look in the top hundred charts, there's so many amazing musicians and I'd love to work with all of them. I mean, Julian Vaughn's an amazing bass player and I got to meet Marcus Anderson and, oh, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but I can see his face. Eric Darius, he's very energetic, super great guy. We met him as well. I mean, there's just so many great people. I've met Mindy Abair and a lot of fantastic people and a lot of great uh, musicians as well. In fact, it's funny, I'm, I, I don't know if I mentioned, but I've got an album release concert coming up in Chicago on March 3rd, and I'm going to be working with the band who tours regularly with Brian Culbertson. So it's I'm really excited to work with them and get the chance to meet and work with them for the first time. Yeah, so is that going to be Chris Miskell, uh, Markwell Jordan, and that those guys? Yeah, man, those guys are great. Yeah, they're fantastic. And so I've been, been working with Chris. In fact, uh, my wife and I are going on the Smooth Jazz Cruise, which leaves in a couple days. 
they're on week one now, but we're going on week two in a few days. And uh, apparently, Chris Miskellen and his guys are on that cruise as one of the the house bands or something, I guess. So I'm looking forward to meeting them in person and and uh, seeing them this week. Yeah, that's fantastic. Good, have a good time on that cruise. I, that's one of I have to do one of those cruises. I haven't done one yet, but I have to do one of those soon. I have got to say. It was the best vacation I've ever had in my entire life. Really? Okay. Because I did, well, I had never been on one and didn't know, really know what to expect. And not only are you going to great destinations, you know, you're on a cruise, you're on a vacation, but the musicians and the musicianship was mind blowing. You know, when you're on the ship, it's these little intimate venues. You're right there, like 10 feet in front of these people. And there's literally about 200 shows dur- throughout the entire week because they have them in all different parts of the ship all day long from, you know, noon till midnight. And then they're all kind of staggered. So you can kind of go around and see all these people. And I was thinking about, my gosh, if you had to spend money for concert tickets for all these folks and then still, you know, get a chance to meet them and greet them and everything, it would cost way more than the price of the cruise. And it's just this intimate way and, and nice to meet people and they're open and, you know, it's just, it was the coolest experience I've ever had. That's why we're going on another one because it was so much fun. That sounds great. Yeah. Okay. So you're making me want to go home now and start to look up some of these. Absolutely. And I, and I just heard Chris Bote is going to have his own cruise starting in 2024 as well. So another option there. You know, what are some of the goals that you have for your music career now? What are some of the things you're hoping to accomplish? Great question. You know, it's costs a lot of money to put together a record. I mean, by the time you put it together and you hire people and the producers and you get them mastered and everything. And then if, then if you want it to, you know, be a commercial success, you got to put marketing dollars behind it and the time behind it. My goal has been to make it where the income from an album release generates enough income that it pays for the next project. Keep doing this until I'm, until they throw me in the ground when I'm 90 or whatever. Right. You know, like I, I saw Keiko Matsui and she's working on her 31st album. And it's like, man, I want to have 30 albums. You know, if I, if I do one, you know, one a year, maybe I can get there by the time I'm 90 or whatever. But I would like to be able to have the music be self-sustaining as a way to, you know, live out my, the remainder of my, my lifetime retirement years doing, you know, full-time music. But then that also means, you know, in order to support that, you got to be able to perform and so forth. So then I think, well, okay, I want to perform because performance is where a lot of the income is these days. I mean, streaming provides a little bit of income, but it's, it's, you know, not a lot. Right. And so, and people aren't really buying albums like they used to back in, you know, when we were growing up. So it seems like performing is a way to, to generate income as well. So that's why I mentioned, I'd like to get more into the festival scene and do some bigger venues and festivals and things to help also support, you know, the future projects. Cause you know, what I really want to do is I want to just keep being full time at it where I'm playing all the time, recording all the time and, and working it. So. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, let's take a listen to another piece from Skyline. How about we take a listen to Northern Lights?
everyone. You just heard D.S. Wilson's track Northern Lights off of his new release, Skyline. So can you tell us a little bit about that song, D.S., and how that song came to be? Yeah, you know, I just, I had this uh, kind of a cool groove in this melody, and when I put it together, again, Adam helped me a little bit on some of the chorus sections. It, it sounded a little different when we when we first went into it, but that's part of the fun of the whole production process is sometimes things get shifted around a little bit here and there, or you shorten some sections, or you add some solo sections. But anyway, I was really happy with how it came out. When I was listening to it, it just kind of had this really kind of a cool, soothing vibe and one of the things on my bucket list is to see the Northern Lights. I actually did a companion music video to this song, and I got a lot of footage off a couple of different websites where people had done like time-lapse photography of the Northern Lights, of the Aurora Borealis. And so I put that to mute to the music. And for whatever reason, it just seemed like that was, uh, again, that's kind of the feeling that it evoked for me was when I was listening to the music. It was just something really cool like that and kind of little haunting, a little kind of cool where I would just love to see that atmospheric event and go up to Alaska or someplace where you can see the the Northern Lights. Yeah, that would be nice. That would be really nice. So what advice would you give your 13-year-old self about life? (laughs) Great question. I think that I would say focus. I was very active in athletics at that time too. So I was a college athlete, high school and college athlete in division one school. And so I was actually on the swimming and diving team for North Carolina State. I was a competitive diver, believe it or not. And now my body feels a lot of the effects of that, of that, uh, all that diving and all those little injuries and things that we did. And I think, you know, if I was to go back and tell myself, I would have said, don't focus as much on the sports, focus more on what, what comes naturally to you, which is the music stuff. And the other thing that has been interesting is being more willing and able to do self-promotion because for me, it's a little uncomfortable, honestly, because I feel like I'm being, you know, a bragger or whatever, if I tell what I'm doing and you kind of have to do a little bit of shameless self-promotion. And because if you don't do it, no one else is going to do it for you necessarily, other than, you know, obviously you're helping me here, which I appreciate tremendously. But a lot of it is being willing to just put yourself out there, being willing to, you know, go through rejection and, and other things and not take it personally because, you know, there's a lot of people vying for some of these top positions and the industry just has to go through its thing to, you know, to weed out the people who aren't serious about it. And that's just the way it is, right? So if you are serious about it, you have to be willing to be serious about it. And I wish I had known that earlier because I would have spent a lot more time learning how to do more production. Like even with my rock band, I mean, we didn't have the internet back then, but you know, there were still a lot of things you could do to call up and try to get gigs and things. And it was, it was for me, that was really uncomfortable back then. I just didn't have a lot of the self-confidence, I think, that I've had to gain over the years to be willing to call people up and ask for playing opportunities, collaborate or whatever. So that's what I would tell myself now is, hey, just don't be afraid to try it. And if, if you fail, just keep keep at it and don't worry about it. That's great advice. I tell you, um, you mentioned that you were at our Fresh Coast Jazz Festival last year and I we started that in 2019 and it was the very first time that I had ever promoted a music festival right and so invest all this money and all this time just like you do in creating an album right and that very first year like I felt like I invited the entire world to 
my party and nobody showed up, you know. <laughs> and so I had all these great artists. Had, we had Ronnie Laws and Lee Rittenauer and, and Norman Brown and Raul Madon and Lindsay Webster. Like we had stacked, it was stacked artist wise, but we just didn't have a lot of people there because of that whole post. You know, like we promote it, but I learned that after doing that, that yeah, you really gotta, you gotta put that self promotion piece out there, like front and center. And you got to really focus on that and, and be unabashed about it if you if you believe in what you're putting together, right? I, I You were there. I, I hope you had a great experience when you were there. It was great. It was fantastic. And like I said, I mean, I, we, you know, I found out about it because Adam was playing there. At that point, you know, we had completed the first four songs. And he said, by the way, I'm going to be in your neck of the woods. I'm like, well, I'm coming. And so we got tickets. We saw Bob James, who was phenomenal. And that was really a lot of fun. And I thought Milwaukee, I mean, I had never been to Milwaukee before, and it was a beautiful city, and it was great weather, and we're definitely coming back. So Good, good. And, and I'll tell you, it's just like what you were saying. You just keep going. You keep believing in what it is that you're doing. And, like, last year's festival, I was kind of like, okay, this is going in the direction that I wanted to go in, right? There are quite a few people there. People are having a good time, you know. But it took us a while to get there, so just keep going, like you said. Yeah, well, I, you should keep going. I thought it was great. It was a great venue. That was a really cool theater that it was in. And uh, I thought there was a really nice crowd there. And I thought, yeah, we did have a good crowd. Good and everything. Yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah. So, what's something that your fans and listener, our listeners, would be surprised to learn about you, DS? Well, I kind of mentioned the one thing that I was a competitive diver. That's kind of an, un- an unusual thing for a musician, right? I'm also an avid bicyclist. And so, I like to ride the bike a lot. This was kind of interesting. So when we lived in Seattle, they have this huge ride called STP, which stands for Seattle to Portland. And so you drive, you ride your bike from Seattle to Portland, Oregon, and it's uh, 210 miles. And we, we did it in one day, a couple of times. And th- it's a huge event. It's got like 10,000 bicyclists. So I like doing that. I'm actually training for another one in july of this year that's going to be in colorado it's called the triple bypass (laughs) and you go from like evergreen to Vale through three mountain passes so that's what they call it so you got it's like ten thousand feet of climbing and all kinds of craziness so i like to do that so that those are some interesting things i think yeah that's that's pretty serious stuff man how long does it take you to train for something like that triple bypass that's coming up well i've already started now it's january you know so like six months. I work out all the time. So it's more like keeping it going. It's not like starting from scratch. If I had to start from scratch, I'd probably want to take, you know, nine or 12 months to do it. But yeah. Well, good luck with that, man. Good luck. Well, let's take a listen to one more of your song. How about we take a listen to the one that your your wife named? This is Leave It to the Gods.
Everyone, that was Leave It to the Gods by today's guest, D.S. Wilson. So, D.S., who are some of the folks that you're enjoying listening to right now? Oh, my gosh. I recently signed up for Sirius XM Watercolors. Oh, yeah. I love everything that's on that. I mean, I listen to that every time I can in the car. I mean, Adam's great. He's got a lot of great people that, that have been working with him. I'll tell you, I was really, really impressed with like Candy Dulfer and Mindy Abair, you know, when I saw them. And Mindy actually jokes, she's like, yeah, pretty good for a girl, right? <laughs> they are no joke. They are yeah. both serious, seriously good musicians. They really are. And I just, man, that whole scene was great. Jul- I really like Julian Vaughn's stuff. Marcus Anderson's great. Eric Darius is great. I've been listening a little bit to, oh, you know who I really was impressed with was Richard Elliott. Yeah, yeah. And he also did this thing where he pulled out this, it's an electronic instrument called the Iwi. And it, it's played like a saxophone, but you can trigger like synth- synthesizer sounds and stuff from it. He did some really cool stuff with that. So, I mean, and Dave Cause obviously is fantastic and well-known. Boney James is one of my favorites. I like a lot of his stuff too. So you know, there's a lot of people that I really, really, and of course, I think if you were to ask me, like, who's my favorite band in the whole world, it would have to be Steely Dan. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, you're going to really enjoy our Fresh Coast Jazz Festival this year then, because Julian's on the ticket, Julian Vaughn, and then opening up on Friday, or, clo- or our headliner for Friday night is none other than Larry Carlton. Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah, he's played on Steely Dan's yeah. stuff, and mm-hmm. yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, he really is. He really is. So it'll be a good time. So, okay, then we'll have to make sure you're back up here in Milwaukee for that. There's a couple questions I'd love to ask all of our guests. One of them is your top three albums of all time. Okay, let's see. <laughs> That's usually a hard, a hard question to answer. I think Steely Dan's Asia yeah. is definitely probably one of the top. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> believe it or not, do you remember the band Boston? Oh, yeah, sure. There was something, I think there's something about when you hear music when you're about 13, 14, 15 or whatever, it gets burned into your mind. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was amazing. Pink Floyd, The Wall was another one. Again, I'm kind of going back to my rock and roll roots for all this stuff. I loved all that. So let's see, that's probably three right there, isn't it? Yeah, those are good ones too. But yeah, I remember Boston well. I mean, one of my favorite rock bands was Yes. I had some buddies in college and we had, we loved different types of music and we would take each other to concerts, right? So one of my buddies from college, who's still a really dear friend from mine, took me to see the Yes show. And I think it was, I don't remember the, the exact title of the album, but it was 90125, something like that. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, 90124. I think 90124. Okay. And they were promoting that album. And I got to tell you, I was absolutely blown away at that show. Like, those guys were unbelievable. Like, I was like, oh, my goodness, you know? Yeah, that that was an amazing – I have that album as well, and that was – the production on that was amazing. Yeah, it really was. You really listened to a lot of the little parts and stuff that they yes. had going on. It was very integral. That song, Leave It, man, I can listen to that song all day, every day. That was some really, really good stuff. Yeah, so I, I dig your picks. I dig your picks. All right, another question for you, DS. You can invite any three people, living or deceased, to a dinner party. Who's coming to your dinner party and what's on the menu? Well, for one thing, Jesus would be there. There you go. Let's see. I think I'd invite Donald Fagan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and let's see. You know, I'd probably want to invite my dad. My dad's yeah. deceased. He was a little hard on me growing up. And he, on one hand, you know, promoted me musically and paid for lessons and stuff when I was growing up. But then when it came time to like uh, 
I had an opportunity to go to the Berkeley School of Music. This was after college even, and he was kind of dissuaded me. I think he just thought that, you know, being a musician would be a hard life and you wouldn't make very much money. And he was all about, you know, all about security and stuff. And I'd love to just have him come back now and kind of, you know, let him, have him see what I've been up to and, and that, you know, let him know I was, let him know I'm okay, you know. So I'd like to do that. As far as food, oh my gosh, I love Italian food, but I love Asian food too. So that would be, that would probably be on the menu. Something really good, maybe some good Thai food or something. Oh yeah, love Thai food. Don't get to have it that often, but love it when I do. That sounds like a pretty good dinner party. So you just released Skyline. So what does the rest of 2023 hold in store for you, man? Well, I'm working on a lot of just continued bookings and working on getting my name out there for consideration for a lot of these festivals and larger venues. And again, trying to work more with full band situation. And I also already starting work on a subsequent album, album number four, just because let's say that an album has a 12 to 18 month shelf life. That's about how long it takes me to put together another, another album. So I want to continue to keep that funnel going and keep working on new material and branch out with some, some more folks. Maybe I'll use Adam again for collaborating and production, or maybe I'll go and try to find somebody else. Um, so we'll see how that pans out, but definitely want to try to keep doing that. Well, Diaz, I got to tell you, I really appreciate you taking time to, to talk with us today. And we're looking forward to hearing more of Skyline and hearing whatever else you got coming out after that. And we really appreciate you today and wish you continued success. Well, thank you, Carl, so much. Uh, I feel the same way about you. Thank you very much for promoting our genre and helping artists like myself and, you know, having your festival. I wish you the best of luck with that. I'll continue to tell people about that. And we, like I said, my, my wife and I came up and we brought my wife's sister from Richmond, Virginia. She flew up, came to it. So we definitely had a great time and, and want to continue to support the venues as well and the, and the festivals and things. So we'll do our part to help you as well. Thank you. We look forward to seeing you again then, DS, and look forward to all the new stuff you got coming out. All right. Great. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, thank you for listening today. And don't forget, tickets are on sale now for the 2023 Fresh Coast Jazz Festival. Milwaukee's world-class jazz festival is back with performances by Larry Carlton, Paul Brown, Julian Vaughn, Rick Braun, Lindsey Webster, Lynn Roundtree, Jeff Ryan, and Ollie Silk. Get your tickets now at freshcoastjazz.com. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com, to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. <laughs>